as a cartoon character once exclaimed, Donuts, is there anything they can't do? Neither of us will disagree and are excited to discuss the Holy Moly episode, Another One Bites the Donut, on the podcast. Mmm, donuts. Oh yeah, we're doing a podcast. My name is Tom, and I'm happy to report I enjoyed both multiple donuts and rounds of mini golf this past week. Oh yeah, I also go by Mr. T, half of a couple of putts. You can find everything from the Pink Putter and I, our mini golf designs, reviews, and more at acoupleofputts.com and on social media at coupleputs. And I'm Pat. No world round is the putting penguin. Together with my friend Mandy, we run the Putting Penguin, which brings you never-ending content across our website and social media outlets. We're also big hockey fans. Go Bruins and Terriers. So consider us pumped for a Zamboni driver on the show. It's episode 24 of the podcast, and in case you're new to our wandering styles, this is the third season of Holy Moly, second in the U.S. and one in Australia, where some form of our show covers the highs and lows of each episode and gives you some other mini-golf tidbits along the way. And now for a little bit of news from the world of mini golf. This summer, there is going to be two new mini golf holes in New York City proper. The first one, I believe, is going to be a permanent course. It's an 18-hole mini golf course open to the public on the waterfront in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. This neighborhood mini golf course is designed to showcase the problems and solutions for some of the most pressing climate change issues facing our planet. It's at River Street and North First Street, again, as I mentioned, in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. I'm not 100% certain that this is a long-term full course, but everything that I've seen of it looks really cool. I saw a really amazing looking windmill hole that Mabel will get to play at some point. But the second hole that's going to be in New York, I am thrilled to say that I'm going to be playing it. And we already bought tickets, and it is the Pixar Putt course. Both the Pink Putter and I have seen tons of photos of this course over the last year and a half from down in Australia, New Zealand, and we've just been super eager to play this Pixar movie-themed course. It's going to be opening on August 1st and running through October 31st in Battery Park in New York City, and it will tour nationally to San Diego, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Dallas, and Chicago afterwards. All of the holes look super fun, especially the up house where you get to like crank and like move it up in the air after you hit the ball. It does come with a very hefty price tag, probably the most expensive game of mini golf we've ever played. It's going to be 40 for adults and 30 for kids. And I just watched Pat's eyes to a big like, holy crap. I think the more expensive and you can pay to play on holy moly. (laughs) I know it is New York prices and it is a temporary pop up. On top of it, it's Disney, so you have to think about it paying like Disneyland prices. So if you're in one of those cities that I mentioned, that's to come. We'll have a few more new mini golf course openings to share later in the summer. There's a couple that I saw recently that I'm really excited to share with all of our audience, but I'm going to let Pat take us into our recap of the episode. Yep, so stepping into holy moly, a couple brief reminders on how season three works there's eight competitors who go head to head in the bracket one hole tournament with each match held on a different hole the episode winner takes home the gold putter the green plaid jacket and a chance at the super final for two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. by now we hope you're subscribed to us but if not go ahead and smash that button and then don't forget to give us a hole-in-one rating also tell all your holy moly obsessed friends about us 
with that, let's head to the holy moly scramble time and our recap of the matchups. So we kick off the episode with Cornhole. And we have Tiana, who's 28, a golf pro, and the PGA Director of Instruction, which sounds pretty impressive. Going up against Jack, who's 64, and our beloved Zamboni driver. We also find out later in the show that his son Chad was on season one with Tom and I. Both of them have some pretty good tee shots, and both of them get taken out by the corn. Jack moves on to the second round with a great second shot, perhaps because he did have a slightly better angle at the hole. In our second hole, we've got Putasaurus, and it's kind of appropriately Olympic-y because they're both archers. We've got Lauren, who's 23, and Ricky, who's 34, and as I told my wife Liz, who's into archery, I think they took her bit if she ever had a chance at Holy Moly. (laughs) But either way, they had a great race on this hole. It was really exciting. Lauren wins it in a comeback. She then tries to give it away with some terrible putting. We get a putt-off. And eventually Lauren moves to the second round with a great slow roll drop to move on. Third hole for this episode was the fishing hole. And we have James slash Ace Green, who, I don't know, kind of a nerdy Star Wars-ish type guy, which I appreciated. And he had a lightsaber cup putter, which, although the reveal was a little stunted, was really cool. And he was up against Samantha, who is a 42-year-old spin instructor who keeps tequila in her locker at the golf course. And I can appreciate that. The force is with James as he gets through with a better tee shot and moves on pretty much with no problem into the second round. We wrap up the first round with one of our favorite holes, Parkade. And that's got Hippie Jamie, who's 23-year-old, and has a putter that then break down, which I also similarly have one that I sometimes take on work trips. And she's up against Cheyenne, who's a 38-year-old bike enthusiast, which I thought was pretty cool she's competing for her special needs son. Both of them go into Nefertiti, and we see an interesting two different outcomes, which Tom has talked about before when we've covered this hole. Neither get the obstacle, and Jamie ends up finishing it up and going on to the second round. Our second round of Holy Moly gets off to a wild start where we have Ace Green hit two horrible putts, but he was only our second competitor along with Jose to have made it through both windmills. So you'd think that would set him up pretty well, but then Jack, our Zamboni driver and Holy Moly family member, hits the first ace of the season on double Dutch and Fuego. He made the ace, didn't have to run the windmills. James didn't get rewarded for running through both of the windmills and not getting hit. But honestly, with how bad those putts were, he should have been punished anyways. They were really rough. And if you look back at the fishing hole one, it was pretty rough too. Our second hole of the second round is Donut Hole. And I'm going to be talking about it a little bit more in design time with Mr. T. We had both Jamie and Lauren get down pretty easily to the green. I don't know that there's a way to miss it. And they both fell off the first donut. Jamie didn't even make it on. Lauren fell off it. Ultimately, Jamie got the better placement made the putt in two. Lauren on her second putt really had a little bit too much gas on it, and that knocks her out. So we have Jamie, our hippie, versus Jack, our Zamboni driver, facing off on King Parther's court. And this is a hole that we have called out numerous times on the jousting part where we had one episode where we had Rachel, our episode winner, who is sitting on the horse, normal and straddling it, and had a shield. Well, in the case of both Jack and Jamie, they had the shield, they were straddling it, they both made it through the obstacle. Jamie, unfortunately, got on the wrong side of the sword, and Jack gets on the right side of the sword, hits it in in two. Jack, with five putts, becomes our second Wisconsinite in a row in consecutive episodes to win the plaid jacket, the golden putter, and move on to the big finale. 
And what a heck of an episode it was. I got to agree with you there. And that brings us into our unnamed section of breaking down the show. And that was going to be my first point. It had a lot of great beats to it. It had the great race on Putasaurus. Uh-huh. It had just if you said somebody was going to do beat both windmills and then lose because of a hole in one on double dutch or dutch courage and fuego i mean and then the, the finale was or the final hole was pretty good too i mean jamie had a shot at that she had a great shot that run and we actually i think this was the first put off they've shown it is all season too so yeah if you're a fan of putting this was a pretty good episode And on top of it, so I had a thought when I was watching this, since Jack won it with an ace, he might have had the best score on Holy Moly to win an episode to date. Because if you think about it in season one, no one won an episode with an ace because it wasn't possible on Mount Holy Moly. On season two, we only had May who won her episode with an ace. And she played the distractor, which she might have been able to ace. But I... I'm certain from watching her on Go For It, she was playing one half of the twins who really ate it. So I don't think she got it in two. I think she got it in three or four. So five is probably the best that anybody has won an entire episode with. And again, season one, you know, we'll t- I'll talk about it in a little bit in relation to Chad, the son of Jack, that in season one, the first round was actually the best of two holes and you could potentially go to three holes. So again, if you're counting up the strokes of all the holes, you couldn't get a five. So the short of it is, is Jack might be putting wise our most impressive putter to date. So you got to give him credit for that. I mean, none of them were really easy. And man, him and Tiana on that first hole, they both almost aced that corner. I felt really bad for Tiana because she was probably at least the third best, if not the second best putter of the episode and probably on other episodes might have cleaned up. Yeah. I mean, she just had the unfortunate little bit tougher angle when you're putting on that inclined hole, which I know that's the difference between mini golf and golf. Sometimes I guess I can't think of too many golf holes that are sitting on an incline like that on a real golf course. And I kind of referenced it, but uh, they mentioned Chad Bennett, who'd played in season one, is the son of this episode's winner. And I thought in particular, I wanted to chat about this and thought it was great that they referred to it because I had a weird, fortunate chance to see Chad play all three of the holes that he played in the first round. And you get a little inside baseball at this. So I know that Chad, who played against Katrina, who ended up going to the finale and lost to, I believe, Mick Cullen, if I'm correct, that Katrina, she was a college, well-regarded runner lost to Mick, but Chad, he was a golf pro. I remember meeting him out on set and I was like, this guy could be pretty good. He's like a professional golf instructor and all this. He won Dutch Courage, I think, pretty easily going away. And he got up, slip and putt first. And he had that A position and he blew it. And I don't know if that got in his head, but I think it took him two putts to get down and then just botched a putt on the lower green. So he could have closed it out then. He ended up going to the tiebreaker hole in the first round surf and turf they tied that hole and he lost on the putt off so there was like a lot that i saw of chad playing wow. and you know I, he was in the driver's seat at a certain point and i know that he was super disappointed when he lost he's you know his dad definitely avenged him and put in some good putting but 
I'd have been interested to see how Chad would have faced off against Mick because I think he would have probably given him a run for his money. But then again, Mick's a great putter. So it could have been a, a fun finale that never happened because Katrina, all that matters is you win the holes that you need to win and uh, advance. Yeah, box score don't matter. A um, couple other things I thought from the Dutch Courage hole that were interesting watching. I loved, I think, I can't remember if it was Riggle or Tess pointed out that James had the right idea and kind of timing the windmill and actually mm-hmm. looking to the left i was like yeah because having done it that was one of the things that we were thinking about which was a, a good point and and then i thought i had to go back should have went back and watched it yet again but i thought james got some really weird relief in the position that he was in not that it mattered but they kind of brought him out sideways instead of yes. backwards and i was yes. like that's not how you do that. Of course, it was substitute course marshal there who was giving him some. What's his name? Course course marshal Colin or deputy course marshal Colin. But but James's putter, Ace Green's putter, whatever you want to call him. Holy crap! It was bad. Like Robin oh, was, was watching with me, and she's just like, "What was that?" Like he hit it so far. He had like a direct line at the cup, and he hit like the far left quarter. It wasn't even close. And if you watch him, and I mention it, but on fishing hole, he hit the side first before it really started to trickle down. I think it was just super fluky that he won that because he got through the obstacles, which we forgot to mention. He's our first person to pass fishing hole. I'll mention a little bit in the whole story, but that was really the advantage. And he, sure, he made the second putt, but man, you know, I, it would have been interesting to see if they'd show the whole thing, how many more cracks at it he had missed. Because, I, I mean, Jack's, Jack seemed pretty spry. I don't see him getting through both windmills. So he would have had to have finished off that hole and could have gone a little bit on the putting. We did get, I think, the... F- first ever direct interaction between Riggleman and competitor on this episode too they actually used the big screens in a way that made sense finding out about samantha's middle name casino which is pretty cool middle name we'll have to say but i appreciated that i think there needs to be more of that during this season oh shout out to xfinity or comcast whichever is responsible for the app i use on my tv to watch the episode it got out twice I did not see the putt off between, uh, what is it, Pretty Ricky and Lauren. And I had to see that in my second viewing. And it cut out, I think, right as Jack was putting. So I saw that he won <laughs> afterwards. It's like, well, I knew that he had won, I think, from social media, maybe. Or I just had an inkling he was going to win it. But still, it was like, thank you, Comcast and Xfinity. You know, that in like antenna TV in our house just doesn't work. So that wasn't good. So here's a funny thing that I put together. The Bucks win the title. The week before a Wisconsin resident wins, sandwiched between it, the Bucks win the title. The next episode, another Wisconsinite wins the title. I mean, the upper Midwest this season, we have, I mentioned this last episode, two Wisconsinites and one Minnesotan. So Wisconsin's winning the border battle. But I think the ultimate border battle in I guess in the upper Midwest, because I'm sure California has the most winners, given that California has like 50% of the contestants. And I wouldn't be surprised if Jack and Rachel and our animal lover from last episode, Todd, I bet they all live in California anyways. But the state that I think might have the record is season one. We had all three of those winners from the northern Chicagoland area in Mick Cullen and Diane Cullen and Steve Kristoff. Uh, who I saw not too long ago and 
uh, are all still loving mini golf, played some rounds with them. But yeah, I think that area has like, like the weird one hour north of Chicago. There's like three holy moly winners in that small area. So they might have like the trophy for area with the most winners, but Wisconsin's picking up the pace. Well, it's certainly not Northeast New England. Thank you, Biggie, for representing us well when the rest of us have failed terribly on the show, which I guess will bring me to the power rankings. So we've got the Putting Penguin power rankings through six episodes. And I actually just made a change while we were talking about this as well, because I thought a little bit through on Jack's performance. So I ended up putting him second after Jose, um, because I thought Jose really had the great obstacle awareness. Blake, I had great putting. He was my current second and I had Jack just below him. But then thinking through, I do think Jack's putting was better. We have the obstacle on King Parthur's court, which he did complete, even though it was the easier version of it. He did get taken out on cornhole, but most people do. And then we have no idea how well he would have done on Dutch Courage because he just went and aced it. So I think overall, decent with the obstacles and great putting. So I'm going to put him too. So real quickly, I've got Jose, Jack, Blake, Biggie, Todd, Rachel for my six winners so far. Well, I'm going to get to the whole story so far, but the only other thing I wanted to mention was how could we miss boner alert as possibly the new refrain when someone has a bad putt that Riggle brought up? I think that might have to hold. I don't know if that like fits in the no swearing rule for O Street, but we'll find out at the thousand dollar tournament next month. I got to say it at some point. And then Jamie Keith might be our first female mini golfist of the season that she was like, I like mini golf over normal golf. She likes mythical creatures and colorful things. I was like, I was rooting for her. I mean, it was like hard because I played near Chad and I kind of had a rooting interest for his dad, but you're like Jamie minus like the kind of weird hippie outfit she they put her in. I, I was rooting for her too. And they were two of my two favorite finalists so far. Yeah, I, I would definitely say that. I think it was like Blake and Corey were really good too. I thought that was mm-hmm. a great matchup. Not that we've had any like awful matchups, but but anyways. Oh, and the other thing, the monster jam truck uh, wriggles driving yes. over course Marshall <laughs> yes. Joe's car was pretty weird and dark and funny. Oh, and Robin caught this too. Holy matrimony's cake was out there. So does, I saw that too. Yeah. So likely what they did is they filmed it after they did all of production for the competitive episodes. Does that mean that Holy Matrimony's out? Because this will take us to the whole story so far in season three. So we're six episodes through. We didn't see any new holes this episode, and we've seen 14 holes. Fishing hole, as I mentioned earlier, Ace Green James finished it and showed how to do it. You kind of got to run past that first one, avoid the water cannon, then slip by the next ones. We'll see if anybody else passes that. James also made it through double Dutch and Fuego, which is pretty impressive that he made it through all the obstacles. I mean, he, he had that part down. He just needs to get the putting part on a mini golf show down. And so up to this point, no one is still completed. Donut hole, holy matrimony, hole number two, and the pecker. Oddly, and I mentioned, King Parther was defeated twice. And for people sitting normal on the horse and not side saddle, they're three of four for passing that obstacle, which is a super high percentage which may be why they probably changed things up and made it just a little bit harder for everybody else. The only other note that I have 
talk about this most episodes. In those establishing shots, one of the things I forgot to mention last week that I saw again this week is that you clearly see the sign for Polcano, not for Ho Ho Ho. So it's up. You see kind of the tropical theme there. Makes me think that maybe the finale of this season we'll see it, but I think even more likely they're going to put it into season four, which we know they filmed at the same time as season three. Just a little note that I had that keeping an eye out in hopes for more holes because ultimately I want to see a season with at least 18 different holes. I think that's what keeps it interesting, especially as we get down, as I mentioned in this last episode, toward the long stretch of the season. We're through six and we got four more. Hoping we see at least one or two more, but we'll see. And speaking with holes, why don't I just jump right into design time with Mr. T. And as I mentioned earlier, we're on to talk about the donut hole. And while we'd been hoping at the beginning of season one for a Simpsons reference or a cameo, given Holy Moly is in the same family as our favorite family from Springfield, we didn't get it. There's no Simpsons reference on the hole, but this hole is still a relatively sweet and simple, fun hole that we like watching. You start off by putting across kind of a relatively flat-ish, smooth surface that's kind of an arc around the area that has the swinging donuts and the area that you fall into with these colored styrofoam blocks. The ball comes off the arc, and depending what speed you hit it at, there's these little donut sprinkles that kind of work like a Plinko. And in fact, I was telling Pat this earlier, I kind of compared this hole a lot to the pecker, which we saw earlier this season, and I did a design time on, in that the putt's relatively straightforward, and there's a lot that can happen with the ball that's out of your control when it bounces off of things. And that's the case here too. We did see with Jamie on this, hitting a little bit softer gives you a little bit better route through versus if you really kind of ram it through, you might bounce off those sprinkles. And on the other side, on the bottom of the hole, you have two smooth kind of arced ramps that you can go up and bring the ball back towards the cup. You have a turfed berm and you have sprinkles that kind of serve as the wall that you maybe can use to bounce off of if your ball comes through really fast. All of these implements are just going to help the ball get back towards the cup. As far as the obstacle goes, well, of course, as I mentioned, it's donuts. And there's these swinging inflatable donuts that you have to try to jump from one to another to get through. I think they're even a little bit lubricated. No one has gotten past the first donut. We've had people land on it and try to get on the second and not get any further. I didn't want to wait to see what happened when someone got all the way through it. All we know with like the pecker is if you fall in, you get a stroke penalty. There's not really like anything different that happens on the whole. You have a similar result where you're not pulling in water, you're not getting covered in mud, you're just landing in some soft foam blocks that are super fun and colorful and they look exactly like the sprinkles that are on the other side and that you play off in the Plinko. The theme and the colors are wonderful on this one. It's just a really satisfying hole with a great punny name. And thinking back, we had a candy themed hole in season one that we didn't see much of called Sweet Spot. And in the Distractor in Australia, I think it was sponsored by McDonald's or Macca's, they called it down there. I think we need an ice cream themed hole for a future season of Holy Moly. We've seen so many mini golf courses that combo putting with a little bit of ice cream. So let's see that in the future, Holy Moly. Here is our request. Please make it happen. And to wrap up, we've got our big thoughts, mini golf. This is less of a big thought than it is a recommendation and kind of ties in with Tom's opener and our discussion of the Simpsons overall and their love of donuts. 
While mini golf is portrayed in a lot of television shows, some people just may not realize the oversized part it plays in The Simpsons. Bart was conceived in the windmill of their local course, Sir Putzalot, and Marge and Homer returned there to spice up their marriage years later. And there is also the absolutely brilliant Dead Putting Society episode that I believe is from season two. So kids, it was probably before you were born, where Bart and Todd play in a local tournament. So what I'm saying is that if mini golf is good enough for America's longest running TV family, then it should be good enough for all of us. And with that, we're at the 19th hole. So until next time, put one ready. Woohoo! We all scream for ice cream.